In this episode, we speak with Jim Carlisle, Managing Director of THL Partners, a private equity firm investing in middle market growth companies across financial technology and services, healthcare, and technology and business solutions. Jim is the head of the Technology and Business Solutions Vertical, the Automation Fund, and a member of the firm's management committee. Leading a team to develop the firm's technology practice and build leadership in its automation theme, Jim contributes thought leadership to THL's Identified Sector Opportunity, or ISO, platform, and fosters a thriving culture through specialization and professional development opportunities. THL has raised more than $35 billion of equity capital, invested in over 170 companies, and completed more than 600 add-on acquisitions, representing an aggregate enterprise value at acquisition of over $250 billion. I'm your host, RJ Lumba. We hope you enjoy the show. If you like the episode, click to subscribe. RJ Lumba is the managing partner of GrowthCap and the executive chairman of Market Insight Media. He is the host of Growth Investor, a podcast featuring today's best investors, executives, and founders. In the minutes ahead, we'll uncover insights and strategies for accelerating growth and succeeding in business. Jim, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. It's a delight to be with you. Thanks, RJ. I really appreciate you having me on. So you've been with THL for over 20 years. You know, something I like to talk about on this podcast is how firms are different from one another. For a lot of CEOs looking from the outside, a lot of firms can look very similar. Some of these big name, somewhat prominent firms who've been around for a long time. What do you think are the highlights on THL and, and how it may be different from some of the other firms in your category? Thanks, RJ. So uh, there's a couple capabilities that we've really invested in over the decades. The first is sector specialization. The second is an operating capability through what we call our strategic resource group. And the third is a business development function or sourcing for deals. And it's maybe a bit hard to really put a finger on, but one of the things I think we've done really well is integrate those various capabilities into a single team. And we use a combination of specialists across those different functional areas on every investment team and every portfolio company that we've had the good fortune of investing in. One thing I noticed in going back to your personal background is uh, you went to Princeton. You know, I happen to live in Princeton, know a lot of folks that went to the university. How do you think that set you up for your career? It looks like you went right into Goldman and then after that to THL. Yeah, you know, so I graduated from Princeton in uh, 1998 and I was operations research major, which basically meant that I studied a bunch of economics and math. That background, I think, set me up pretty well for a career in investing. And I certainly have had a lot of good training through the years, starting at Goldman and, and then continuing on to THL. But Princeton helped me to understand how to think. I, you know, it taught me how to think logically about problems. You know, I remember a really fun class called Optimization Under Uncertainty, and that may be the definition of what investing is. Mm -hmm. and, and are you uh, from the Northeast uh, originally? No, I'm from Kansas City. Originally, I moved to Princeton, obviously, when I went to college, and I've been here ever since. Okay, great. We're going to touch on the automation fund, which I'm excited to talk to you about. Maybe before we do that, can you give us a little bit of background as to what you focused on kind of over time? You sit on boards of prominent companies. Maybe you could shed some light on that for our audience as well. 
Yeah, happy to do so. So we have three industry verticals at THL, technology and business solutions, which is the vertical that I'm responsible for, financial technology and services, and healthcare. I've been focused on investing in the technology space for oh, the past 15 years or so. And one of the things that you know, is obviously hard as an investor in technology is that there's a lot of firms that are doing it. And there's a lot of capital that's deployed, particularly among firms that are looking for companies that have strong growth profiles in the technology space. And so you know, my mission as the leader of, of that group was to try to find an area where we saw both long-term secular growth and an opportunity to be somewhat differentiated as our firm at, at, at THL. And we started, maybe it was about 15 years ago, looking at ways to invest in e-commerce infrastructure. Obviously, e-commerce penetration was a trend that was recognizable by all as a, a big driver of GDP on a global scale. And rather than trying to invest in the companies that were trying to beat Amazon, we tried to figure out what are the ways to invest in companies that are supporting all of e-commerce. And we came across some really interesting automation businesses through that endeavor with that lens. And we were one of the few investors at the time that were looking at businesses you know, maybe more classically considered to be industrial automation businesses as a technology investor. And we started to see the really high return on investment that customers of these automation businesses were achieving and began to then look at other ways in which automation was being deployed across technology types and across sectors, which ultimately led to the creation of the first automation fund. Now, given the size of your firm and funds, is there kind of a minimum threshold or the companies you would look at? Yeah. So we, through our flagship fund, have the ability, obviously, to invest in partnership with LPs, multiple billion dollars of equity. The automation fund gave us the ability to invest in smaller sizes and, and slightly earlier stage businesses as well. But still, what the majority of what we do is, is investing in middle market growth businesses and looking for opportunities to deploy equity between call it 50 million at the small end, which would be a automation fund only investment, you know, investments, as I said, up to multiple billions of dollars in partnership with our investors. Now is the SRG, it seems like that's kind of a centerpiece to how you help your portfolio companies create value. Do you employ SRG team across each portfolio company you invest in? We do. So a big part of our processes during diligence and in partnership with the management team to create a, what we call a value creation plan. It doesn't necessarily pull on all of the capabilities of our strategic resource group, but it oftentimes pulls on several. And, you know, over time, we've tried to figure out what are the functional areas that are most impactful to middle market growth businesses and go to market or, you know, kind of sales acceleration is one operational efficiency is another, M&A, human capital, talent, and technology, both on the infrastructure side and the product side. Those five areas, we have functional experts that we have as really senior advisors to us on the investment side, as well as partners to the management team, if any of those individual capabilities are needed as part of that value creation plan. Mm -hmm. So Jim, notice that you're uh, on the board of quite a few companies. And probably for some of them, you've been on the board for quite some time. Can you let us know kind of your approach to being a board member and, and how you think you've maybe been effective for the companies you work with? 
Yeah, great question. So it starts really with having access to the capabilities that we have organizationally. And we have an ability to provide resources to businesses that they may not otherwise have without the scale and history of of our firm and investing in businesses of, of similar size and scope and scale in, in the industries in which we focus. And so if a company has a specific need, we usually can connect them to the right person, whether it's internal or external. The second piece is, is that we've seen a lot, you know, we've invested in businesses that have successfully grown through both good times and hard times, both in their industries and from a macroeconomic perspective. And as a result of that experience, we can maintain a pretty level head and, and provide good advice to the management team on how to navigate the opportunities and risks that they face. And, you know, third, because we focus on investing in really specific subsectors of the broader economy, we have an ability to make connections to other businesses in that space. And I mentioned earlier as an example that we have a business development function that's integrated as part of our THL capability, if you will. And, you know, that business development team has mapped literally thousands of companies across the segments that we focus. And oftentimes we can provide introductions for M&A or a commercial partnership based on the relationships that we have in the space. We're always interested to hear about specific examples. If someone were to kind of come up to you on the street and you know not really have a background in private equity and, and asked you, oh, would love to hear about how you work with companies and what you do for them and, and how you help grow them. Is there kind of maybe one or two companies you would highlight? Yeah. So our mantra, if you will, is smart, hungry, and humble. And I think I'd start by answering that question saying that, look, there's there's no silver bullet. We're going to roll up our sleeves and dig in and help. And it's an exercise that we always do in partnership with really smart people in the management teams of the businesses that you know we have the good fortune of working with. And so as an example, I'll take AutoStore, large public company headquartered in Norway. The business has developed a really incredible automation solution for warehouse and distribution. And they had built a really successful presence in particular in Europe. They were expanding in the United States. And when they came to us and we reached out to them uh, proactively, so when we had conversations with them, we said, look, we think we can help you from a go-to-market perspective. And we've invested a lot in that capability in our strategic resource group. And we believe we can work with you to expand the size of your business development capability in North America. We have a couple of distributor partnership relationships and introductions that we believe we can help facilitate that can expand your coverage of the market. Since we believe they had a solution that worked, they just needed to kind of increase the top of the funnel and the conversion. And through those exercises, I think during the first couple of years of our ownership, we tripled the size of their business development team. We added incremental global partnerships and that we hope helped to unlock the growth potential that the business enjoyed. Also, as a separate example, as they had continued to scale, recognized that they needed kind of incremental talent on the management team to complement the existing team that was there. And, you know, I mentioned the kind of human capital and talent group that we have internally. We help them with a process of scorecarding and interviewing really talented people that join the team and fit in well and had the specific capabilities that were required for them to be able to continue to scale. The list goes on and on, but those are a couple of key examples. You mentioned your mantra there, you know, smart, hungry, humble. Do you think that's kind of one of the key reasons that's enabled THL to maintain kind of its position in the market? You know, is having a conversation with an LP from an endowment 
And we were talking about how often returns are lagging indicators. Really, the, the leading indicators are what really makes the firm the way it is and its ability to succeed time after time. Can you talk a little bit more about what you think makes THL unique in its ability to succeed consistently? Yeah, it's a good question. I'd say there's two things. One is specialization and just a relentless pursuit thereof. I, you know, we've over the years continued to recruit really strong individuals that understand certain things really well. And then we integrate those capabilities to provide a solution to a management team. So specialization is critically important to continued success. And then the second one is really simple. It's just humility. This job is hard. It's competitive. Helping businesses to be successful, you know, in different end markets is ever evolving as technologies change, as things like global pandemics show up on our radar that didn't exist before. And we know that we don't have necessarily all the answers, and we know that we've got to continue to innovate to be better as time goes on. And so that humility is something that's really, really important to continued success. I think we have to change in order to be successful, and we've done a good job. It's being frankly, you know, RJ, it's the reason why I'm at THL 23 years after I started is because THL 23 years ago and THL today are two very, very different places. Mm-hmm. We're coming up on the tail end of our conversation, but before we head into my final two questions, wanted to to ask like, what's most exciting to you in the, it sounds like automation is, is really your focus. What's most exciting to you maybe within that broader scope of automation? I think one of the emerging categories that we're spending a lot of time thinking about right now is generative AI. It's uh, amazing probably to everyone that's around this space, how steep the improvement curve, if you will, has been in that space. And, you know, we believe that the power to access information, you know, in particular for the non-technical user is vastly different today than, you know, what it was before the advent of that technology. And we're in the process of working with each of our portfolio companies, whether they're physical automation companies or digital automation companies or some hybrid of the two, to figure out how do you deploy best-in-class tools and capabilities for the benefit of your customer set. And that's an area that is really dynamic and exciting. And there's a lot of capital that's being poured into the space, both on the venture end of things, as well as the large company end of things. And you know, I'm excited to help our companies navigate that space over the years to come. Excellent. Now for, I guess, the more fun part where we get to learn a little bit more about you as an individual, can you tell us about someone who's had a a big impact on you, maybe an influence in your life that maybe helped shape who you are? Yeah, it's a great question. I could point to a bunch of people, but the best answer is my parents, my folks. My dad, I think, you know, really taught me the benefit of hard work and humility I remember as a young kid having him explain to me the importance of grace under pressure. And my mom, on the other side of things, always would remind me the importance of having fun in life and being competitive, which is something that I definitely am. So yeah, my folks are the foremost influence on my life for sure. Last question. Can you tell us about a a charity or a cause that you support or other undertaking that you're passionate about? I'm a big supporter of the national park system in the U.S. I grew up in Kansas City, as I mentioned, and my family would drive across the state of Kansas to Rocky Mountain National Park. And the places you go as a kid are, you know, always hold a special place, I think, in your life. And, 
you know, I really believe in the importance of nature and access to such wonderful places for people and greatly appreciate the effect that those places have had on me in my life. I'm a big supporter of the parks. Any recommendation for our audience? What's your favorite place to visit? Rocky Mountain National Park is my favorite because it's okay. where I grew up going. And I, you know, there's a very cold stream that runs through a marine park, a beautiful mountain valley, if you will, that I have incredibly fond memories as a kid of dropping sticks in the water and having boat races effectively down to the other end. So it's a good place to fly fish too. So beautiful part of the world. Highly recommend it. Excellent imagery to end on for our audience and coast into the day. Thank you so much again for taking the time. I, I know our audience will find this very insightful. Thank you, RJ. It's been a lot of fun.